We are looking this year at Jesus answers the big questions. And the big question we're looking at today is whose words am I speaking? This week in Wordwise program, we're going to be looking at Rehoboam. Rehoboam was a son of King Solomon. King Solomon died and Rehoboam was in the process of ascending to the throne. And Rehoboam was of the tribe of Judah, one of the southern tribes. And in the process, a spokesperson came to him from the 10 northern tribes of Israel. And they said to Rehoboam, your father has laid a heavy burden on us. He's a heavy burden of taxes and, and, and labor. And we want you to lessen that burden. And if you lessen the burden your father put on us, we will serve you. And Rehoboam had wisdom to say to Jer uh, Jeroboam, give me three days. Give me three days. We'll meet together in three days. So Jeroboam goes to the elders who'd served under King Solomon. And in his time, King Solomon was a very, very wise man. And he said to them, what ought we to do? And the elders said to him, show kindness lighten the load and these people will serve you faithfully. So Rehoboam thinks, okay. And then he goes to the young men who grew up with him and he says, what ought I to do? And the young men were hot-headed and not as mellow as the older men. And they said to him, come down tougher on them. And the actual words were, the young men said to Rehoboam, tell them, my father laid on you a heavy yoke. And I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips and I will scourge you with scorpions. And so Rehoboam, he's heard the counsel of the older men and he's heard the counsel of the younger men. And in three days, he meets again with Jeroboam of the northern tribes. And he has to speak forth his decision. What decision will he make? And what Rehoboam did was he spoke the words of the young men and he said, my father laid on you a heavy yoke and I will lay it heavier on you. And those words had terrible consequences because Jeroboam just said, okay, Rehoboam, it's nice knowing you. And the 10 northern tribes of Israel packed their bags and left Rehoboam to it. So here's Rehoboam, he's got Judah and one and a half or one of the bit little tribes and that's all he's got left. With his words, with the words that he chose to speak, he split a kingdom in two. And our words are enormously powerful. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death. That is enormously powerful. James 3 verse 5 to 6 said, Consider how small a spark can set a huge forest ablaze. Someone throws a cigarette out of a window of a car and it begins to smolder. And a few days later, there's a, a forest fire that sweeps right through and wipes out vast areas of forest. And it says the tongue is also a fire. And Rehoboam found that to his cost. He spoke the wrong words. The tongue exists among our members as a world of malice. 
defiling the whole body. The tongue, the words we speak, can defile the whole of our life. And set, setting the entire course of our lives on fire. Very serious consequences and is itself set on fire by hell. What does that mean? That means that Satan can speak into our lives through the words that we speak. And we get to choose as Christians. Do we speak the words that hell, that Satan gives us to speak? Or do we speak God's words? Whose words am I speaking today? So our words tell other people who we are. Who are you? Your words reveal that. What do you believe in? We're going to do these apologetics classes and find out what do we believe in? What do we stand for? What do we stand for as men and women? Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our words reveal who we really are. Paul said something really beautiful in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. He said, you are our letter written in our hearts and you are known and read by all men. And that is very, very true today. We have social media today and we put out on social media our words and they are known and they are read and our lives are known and read even more widely today than they ever have been. The words that we put in print are words that represent who we are. The words that we speak with our mouth, the words whether we put that on a post on Facebook or some other media, we are revealing who we are and who we stand for, what our beliefs and what our values are. And something we forget today that Noel actually touched on Today, we live in a war zone. You and I have an enemy. Peter said in chapter 5, verse 8 to 9, he said, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And Peter said, resist him. Resist him, standing steadfast, standing firm in the faith. So you and I have an enemy. And one of the things, Australia is a peaceful place in many ways still to live in. And we almost have this sense of we live in a playground. I watch what comes up on the social media and a lot, so a lot of it, it's, it's playground stuff. We live in a playground. We're here to play. Let's bring on the games. It's not really serious. But God says that we live in a war zone. Until the day that we die, you and I live in a war zone. And there's something very, very important that is at stake in how we reveal our lives. And that thing is eternity. The eternity of other people, and not just our eternity, but the eternity of others is at stake in how we, what we reveal through our lives. And so you and I actually are in a war zone. We're in a war zone. And what does that war zone look like for us today? Not what did it look like 20 years ago or what will it look like in five years' time. What does the war zone look like for us today? And there are three verbal traps that Satan sets for Christians. 
And I watch Christians fall into these traps again and again and again. What are those traps? The first trap is what I call the trap of distancing words. And Liz talked about how we hide from God. And we can use our words to distance ourselves from God. One of the modern apologies I hear Christians express, they'll say something like, oh, I'm sorry for the crap I've been dishing out to you. I think, okay, that's an interesting statement. I'm sorry for the crap that I've been dishing out to you. What do they mean when they say that? What does crap mean for a start? The dictionary says crap is offensive slang. Literally, it means excreta or feces. Non-literally, it means rubbish, nonsense, something worthless or something annoying. So when you say, I'm sorry for the crap that I've been dishing out to you, that's your apology. What are you actually communicating? Obviously, you're not literally saying, well, I took a screecher and handed it to you. So what are you saying when you say, I'm sorry for the crap that I dished out to you? What are you really saying? I'll tell you something, folks. When you give that sort of apology, you're actually not identifying any issue. It's a waffly, general, indeterminate sort of statement. And if you do not take account of what you are identifying, nothing in your life will change. The only way that change comes in the Christian life is if we put up our hand and we get counted on something. If we say, this is what I have done. If we feel we've spoken rudely and disrespectfully to someone, then we don't say, I'm sorry for the crap, because that identifies nothing. But we can go to the person and go to God and say, I have been rude and disrespectful, and I am sorry, please forgive me. And do you know what happens when we identify the real issue? When we speak right to the heart of it, our lives change. And one thing Satan does not want to see is our lives changing. God wants us to stand up and to own up. And there's no, if there's no straight talk, there's no change. And I need to say today, God is not afraid of straight talk. God can talk straighter than any one of us in this room. I was reading in Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 12 to 15. And God is talking to Ezekiel, who's a picture prophet. And God says to Ezekiel, I want you to bake your bread on human excreta. Isn't that vile? And Ezekiel says, that is gross. That's unclean. I don't want to go there. And God says, okay, bake your bread, but do it with cow manure. So God is not afraid of straight talk. God wants us to talk straight, but he wants our language to identify the real issues. He wants you to pinpoint what is it that we are dealing with? What is it that you're sorry for? If you want to change something in your life, what is it? And God says, have the courage to identify the issue. James 5 verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other. That's specific. What is it? 1 John 1 7 says, if we walk in the light 
As he is in the light, what do we have? We have fellowship, one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us or cleanses us from all sin. That comes from open dealing with God and with each other. Trap number two that Satan sets for Christians today. I call this the trap of demeaning or devaluing language. It's language that takes away the value from another human being. One of the ones that I hear on a regular basis is, relates to the word bitch. Bitch literally means a female dog. But in a non-literal sense, it's an offensive term that deliberately insults a woman's temperament. And in the old days, you used to say that woman is being bitchy if her behavior was unpleasant and you couldn't identify it any better. But today, what you hear is, let's play the bitch game. What sort of a bitch am I? And you get to play the game where you say, I'm an ugly bitch, or I'm a mean bitch, or an arrogant bitch, or an angry bitch. What sort of a bitch am I? What are you doing when you're doing that? People these days, some people, they don't say my friends are coming over. Do you know what some of the people are saying today? They say my bitches are coming over or my bish, if you want to hide the word a bit. What are people doing when they do that? They are, it sounds arrogant, doesn't it? It sounds kind of strong. You know, my bitches are coming over. Yeah, right. Okay. Let's play the bitch game. But what are we doing? We are stripping value from one another. We are stripping value. God sees us as men and women with enormous value. God made us in his image. God made us with value. And when we get born again, God restores value to our lives. And the question is, whose words are you going to speak when you're confronted with these things? The words of Satan say, Proverbs 11 verse 9, with their words, what do the godless do? The godless destroy their friends. They cut their friends off at the knees and they destroy themselves as well. One of the reasons why the suicide rate is so high is because people have no value. They devalue themselves and they devalue others. But what is God's approach? God's approach, we see the godly wife in Proverbs 31 verse 26. She opens her mouth. What does she open her mouth with? Wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is in her tongue. So what sort of words do we speak when we're dealing with each other or we're dealing with other people or even speaking of ourselves? Do we speak the words of Satan that take away value, that strip value from others? Or do we speak God's words that recognize that God made man and woman in his image? Whose words do we speak? That's a trap. Satan comes to steal and to destroy and take away value, but God made us with value and he restores value to us. Trap number three, words that trivialize sin, that take something that is sinful and make it 
trivial, make it not worth really considering. And there's one word, if I had to say what is one word that I watch Satan target in today's culture, it's the F word. And I'm not even going to say it. I find it offensive. It's defined as offensive, as vulgar, and it is banned. Literally, it is talking about sexual intercourse, and there is always the overtone of disrespect or abuse. And non-literally, it is used to insult and to offend others, to express extremes of emotion. People love it for that. If you want to say something's really, really good or really, really bad, you throw the F word in there, and everyone knows you've got an extreme emotion. Oh, goody. It's used to express anger, contempt, or rejection. I see this word regularly on Facebook. I see the name of Christian people that I know. So-and-so, let's call her Joan Henry. Joan Henry shares F-U-C-K. You'd be surprised how many things there are on Facebook that F-U-C-K. It's F-U-C-K, cancer or relationships or my ex, F-U. It's Christians share this. Christians post it. This is how a Christian is revealing themselves who I am, who I am. And there's a children's book that you read to your children as a bedtime story. And every now and again in this book, it's go the F to sleep. And you're supposed to read it in an angry voice. What is that doing to our children? That they hear this filthy language before they even know it's filthy. And they hear the anger. There is great anger underneath this sort of approach to life. One of the ones I picked on for today, how the world fights cancer. And there are a number of sites that do the F cancer approach. That man, you can see he's got the anger, he's got the finger up. It came, we fought, I won. Whoa! Ho, ho! And I was reading, someone was questioning, why do you use a filthy word like F to talk about how you fight cancer? And these people said, it's a filthy disease. So we fight it with a filthy word. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You know what that tells me? That tells me that the world knows better than many Christians, that the F word is a filthy word that ought not to be on our lips. The world acknowledges the filth of that word. And yet I watch what comes up on Facebook. I wonder how many of you will unfriend me after this. But I watch it and I think, this is the filthiest word. You've just posted some ditty about Jesus and then you're posting something and it's got F-U-C-K splattered across the title or splattered in the contents. Think, what are you doing? Whose words are you speaking? You see, if we use that sort of language, we destroy our Christian witness because the world knows that Christians ought not to speak filth. Isaiah 59 verse 3, God was talking and he said, your hands are the hands of murderers. Your lips are filthy with sin. Oh, sorry, your fingers are filthy with sin, your lips are full of lies, and your mouth vomits corruption. Vomits corruption. Are we doing that? 
do we come to church and swing, sing sweet songs to Jesus and then go and post on Facebook some filthy language that even the world says is filthy? Why do Christians use dirty language? I've asked some of my friends, why did you do that? Why did you post it? And I hear things like, oh, I didn't notice. Oh, okay, I didn't notice. Oh, just up there, you know. Just, you know, click, share, click, share, click, share, click, share. Oh, here's something, quick, quick, share it, share it. You know what Proverbs 15 verse 28 says? It says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Ponders. So that means we think about what will we say? How will we present ourselves? How will we show our lives forth? What is it that God wants us to communicate through our lives? So that's what the heart of the righteous does. And if you're going click, share, click, share, click, share, and you're a Christian, you need to slow down and remember what God says. The heart of the righteous ponders. That means you consider deeply how should I answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So what does, what does God want you to do? What's the second reason why people use language that I have heard expressed? And one of them is, it just makes me feel bold and free. I feel like I'm my own person. You know, I get out there with these words and, oh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who counts. I've spoken a strong word. That makes me a strong person. <laughs> you know something? We are never free. When we are speaking Satan's words, there is no freedom. Satan came to kill, to destroy, to tear down, and to strip us of value. And if you speak the words of Satan, then there is no freedom. You know where freedom really comes from? It comes from being love slaves, love slaves of, of Jesus, love slaves of the living God, where we say, well, Lord, what do you want of us? And we speak the words that God gives us to speak. You see, God made us for himself. God made us to worship him. He made us to love him. He made us to walk with him. And when we are doing the thing that we're made for, which is walking with God, that's where freedom is. That's when we are most ourselves because that is what we're made for. We are made to be love slaves of Jesus and to speak the words that give him pleasure. Number three. Why use this dirty language? And I hear things like, it was cute. It was like too good to miss. Something about it really appealed to me. It was really, really clever. It was so clever. I didn't care about the words in it. It was just clever. You know what? If you post something on Facebook, because you think it was clever and it has Satan's words in it like the F word. Do you know what you just did? You just got suckered by the devil. The devil set a little trap and he put something clever in it because he knew you'd go for clever. And you just walked into his trap, walked into Satan's trap. And you thought you were acting as a free person. Satan just caught you in a trap. He's your enemy. He baited the trap and you fell for it. Number four, why use this dirty language? And here we have, everybody does it. 
And this is becoming increasingly true in the world we live in. People are throwing away their values and their standards because everybody does it. I didn't tell you about the footballer, did I? One of the things that I saw in the paper a few months ago, this footballer, he was in a drunken carousing party and this all got videotaped. And here's this footballer and he says in, at this drunken party, he says, I want to F a woman and I want to F a dog. Now that's about as vile as you can get, except he went on to urinate on himself. But what that shows, if you're in any doubt about it whatsoever, is that the F word retains its meaning, which is this disrespect. Yes, it's talking about sexual intercourse, but disrespect That man was equating a woman with a dog. That man had no desire to cherish or to love a woman. He just wanted to fulfill a lust that he happened to have. So he was devaluing women. And if you have any doubt whatsoever about the meaning of that word, there it is illustrated for you. And what does God say for us? Matthew 5 verse 13. God says, you're the salt of the earth. You know what salt does? You have meat that is about to go rotten and it's put salt on it to slow down the rot. And we live in a world that is going rotten. And God says to us, be salt. Act and speak in such a way that you will help to slow down the rot. God's not saying to us, lead the charge. How much filthy language can you have pouring out of your mouth? God says, salt, be salt. Slow the rot down. Take a stand against these things. We're called to swim against the tide as Christians. So whose words am I speaking? Revelation 22 verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. That is what God is like. God is clear as crystal, and his words are clean. The God to whom we have given our lives is clean. There is no filth in him. So whose words are you speaking? The words of Satan who destroys your life or the words of God who is clean and calls us to cleanness? There is a tide of filth in our society today and this is undoubtedly so. And there are great pressures that come against us. And I've felt some of these pressures as I've worked to prepare this. But God calls us to stand our ground. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is what God calls us to do. So are you setting an example that is godly that other people can follow? There's a lot of pressure. I noticed one of the texting things that comes up. It's the WTF, what the, and the F word again. And I say to people, why do you do this? Why? And it's like, oh, it's kind of, if I use these words, I will be more acceptable to the world. I'll be more acceptable. You know, God never calls us to lower our standards. And folks, We need to stand our ground for the things of God. And we must not abandon godly standards because there's a tide of filth in the world. The Bible talks about the fact that when 
The devil comes in like a flood. And God raises up a standard. And you and I are to stand our ground. So do not give way to the pressure that somehow or other you've got to give a little on these issues. We need to know where we take our stand. But as Christians, we also need to know why we take our stand. Why do we stand here? It's ultimately not enough to say, well, the preacher said I should not use the F word. Or Mark says I honour and respect Mark. But, you know, when the pressure's on, are we going to do what Mark said? Can we stand? Will we live and die by what Mark said? What is it that how do we know? How do we know what God wants us to do? That is one place that we can go to find out what we will live and die for. And that is in the word of God. What does God say? We take our stand on what God says. And we hear what God says preached faithfully here week after week. Week after week, we hear what God is saying. And the scripture in Hebrews 10, 29, very, very sobering scripture. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing? the blood of the covenant that sanctified us and who has insulted the spirit of grace. And folks, we need to be very, very careful in the world that we live in today that we don't trample the Son of God afresh. We need to be really careful that we are listening to what God says and not just blending into the world because the world screams so loudly. So what does God say about our words? What can we take our stand on when we look at the issue of language? Jesus said it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. So the words you speak can defile your life. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Don't use it. Do not use it. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Put away all anger and obscene talk from your mouth. This linking of anger and obscene talk. Put it away. If you've got anger issues, deal with your anger issues. Keep your tongue from evil. Get rid of every expression of evil. Dirty stories, foul talk and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, remind each other of God's goodness and be thankful. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. We need to remember that on social media. Take the time to ponder. What does God want us to communicate? What does God want us to show forth in our lives? Don't speak rashly. And no, I'm a Christian. God says take time to ponder. So our words reveal our lives and our hearts and our values and our beliefs and our faith. And eternity is at stake for ourselves, but also for others. What are we showing forth in the world around about us? Whose words am I speaking? God's words, which build up and encourage, or Satan's words, which tear down and destroy? Titus 2, verse 12, it says, The grace of God teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. That's just at the end of one section. I just wanted to share with something a little bit more tender because in a way I've spoken things that are hard. 
And these are young boys aged from 7 to 11 and they get faced with an issue. They're told to do something. And then after they're told to do this thing, they ask them why. Why did they make the choice that they made? And none of these boys quote a scripture. They don't have a grasp for the scripture. Whereas God wants us to be able to go to his word and say, this is why I take the stand as a Christian that I take. We must be able to do that. That's why this apologetics class is so important. Why? What do we take our stand on as Christians? But just to finish on a more tender note, just watch these boys. It's in Italian, but don't let that stand in your way. E ora, dalle uno schiaffo. Slap it. Uno schiaffo forte. Uno schiaffo. Dai. No. 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 E perché no? Eh. Okay, le femmine. Giova sonata. Perché le femmine non si picchiano. Perché così si fa male. E perché Gesù non vuole far picchiare. Prima cosa è bellina e non glielo posso dare. Perché è una ragazza. Perché sono contraria alla violenza. Si anche oh, le donne non si devono toccare nemmeno con un fiore. E perché è brutto. Oppure con un mazzo di fiori. Thank you. God calls us. There are times when we need to say no. Just a simple word. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to stand against the tide of filth. No, I'm going to look to what the word says and take my stand on the word of God. And that is a really important part of showing to the world around about us who we are and what we believe in and who we stand for and the amazing, almighty, wonderful God we serve who is clear as crystal and his words are clean. Father, you are an amazing God and you have given to us the privilege and the challenge of living in a time that is a challenging time. It's a time, Father, where we do look around about us and we see the tide of filth as the world comes to a close. Father, we have the challenges of social media. How do we learn to use that so it is a tool that honors you? Father, we have these challenges and we look to you and we pray, Father, that you would give us the grace to say no when no is what we ought to say. We pray, Father, that you will give us the wisdom to learn how to handle things like social media in a way that is wise and that makes it a useful tool for you. Father, we are sorry for the times when we have spoken what we ought not. Father, we repent of the times when we have used Satan's words and not your words. And Father, we thank you that as we repent, you wash us clean and that we start with a clean slate and we can speak the words that give you pleasure and we can look to you and we thank you lord for your grace and we pray lord in this coming week that you will cause us 
to show forth our lives that we love you and that we have a testimony and we have a witness and that you are our strength. Amen.